Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. For today's show, we're going to talk a little bit dirty. Let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, welcome here to the top of the noon hour. Dr. Louis Sandoval show. You're going to listen to, uh, you know, for all of our listeners, I would just say, say we're going to talk dirty. You know, be aware, get your ears ready, because I'm going to say some very dirty words in the Catholic world. Now, most people will think, Dr. Sandoval, we're going to talk dirty. What does that mean? You know, in our modern world, we say talk dirty. Well, some, sometimes people will think, oh, you're going to talk about, I don't know, imprudent uh, sexual issues or something about intimacy, or there's going to be some talk about, you know, uh, you know, something along those lines is uh, sins against the sixth commandment. No, we're going to get even dirtier than that. <gasps> Dr. Sandoval, you're going to talk about four letter words. Are you kidding me? And my kid's going to be listening to the show or something. And you're going to, they're going to learn all the dirty words. What are you going to talk super dirty? No, I'm going to talk Catholic dirty. And we're going to understand what that means. You know, for the for those of you folks who just went to the deliverance conference this last weekend, you know, we get a lot of questions on how do I know that the devil's attacking me? How do I know I feel so oppressed? I feel so so frustrated. I'm, I'm hearing voices. I hear the devil saying bad things to me. And, you know, I keep saying all these deliverance prayers and I don't know what to do about it. Well, what I would say is we're going to have to turn to Catholic dirty words. And let's talk about what some of those dirty words are. I'm going to say, uh, let's see here. I'm going to say seven of them. Okay. So just get ready. Here are the, here are the seven Catholic dirty, dirty words that I want to start with. Um, oh, now I lost my list of dirty words. I can't believe that. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, give me one second, folks. Okay, here we go. Seven dirty words. Chastity. Temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. If anybody's offended by that, you got to ask yourself why. <clears throat> Let's read those again. So seven very dirty Catholic words. Chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. I'm going to read another list. I'm going to read a list of 12 words, okay, that are going to sound very, very similar. Let me count them and make sure I have my list right. Yeah, okay, this is the right list. <clears throat> They're going to sound a little bit similar. Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, 
faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity again. Notice chastity is in both of those lists. Well, why are these dirty words? What's going on? Well, let's think about this a little bit. We're gonna, I want to break these down. I want to talk about what each of these words are. That first list, they are our Catholic uh, virtues. <clears throat> okay, so it's just literally a list of the, of the Catholic virtues, or, the cardinal virtues, as we call them in the Catholic world. Um, there are the seven cardinal virtues, chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. And the second list that I read with the 12 words, they're the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit according to Galatians. Okay, so if you go to <clears throat> um, Galatians, that's that's what you're going to you're going to read about that St. Paul tells us are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that list actually comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's paragraph 1832. So it's right in there. You know, I know that we want to dust off our catechism as much as we want to dust off our Bible and make sure that we're reading both of them um, hand in hand. <clears throat> but this is coming from Galatians. You know, the book of Galatians tells us that there are 12 gifts uh, and chastity is in both of those. I'm going to explain why I'm emphasizing that word a little bit more. I had an interesting experience one time with these. But why do I call these dirty words? Dr. Samuel, it doesn't make sense. These words are supposed to be beautiful. They're supposed to um, really speak to our faith. They're supposed to uh, help us be better people. Well, when we carry these words in our heart, when we say these words, when we use these words, it's like swear words in hell, if you will. You know, we know all the dirty words as adults, and we hear them. We maybe have said them. We think them sometimes. Somebody cuts you off while you're driving, and what are the, uh, the the words that you say? Do you feel like, oh, I need to be joyful and have peace in my heart right now? Not always, right? <clears throat> All of a sudden, I might have some obscenities, some expletives come to mind if they don't come right out of my own mouth. Um, and by me, I mean people in general. You know, this has happened before, right? We get into this mode where... All of a sudden, I know, I know uh, people who will tell me, Dr. Samuel, I'm trying to, as we say, cuss a little bit less. You know, there's swear words, cuss words, four-letter words that we say. Why are those words offensive to us when we talk about them? Because obviously, those words hurt people. You know, we use actual four-letter words or we use actual words that are uh, um, bad in society. You know, my kids come home and they learn. Uh, it's amazing what they learn in school that's not in the textbooks, right? They're in the playground talking to their friends and they come home and they're like, Daddy. I heard this word. Well, which word did you hear? It's a really bad word, Daddy. Oh, okay. Which one was it? I said, well, it starts with an S. I'm like, oh. And in my mind, I said, oh, S. What did you hear? Right? And they said, it's stupid. The word is stupid. And I'm like, well, it is a stupid word. And they said, no, Daddy, you just said the bad word. The word the teacher said, we can't say the word stupid. A kid said that. That's a bad word. <gasps> you know what, sweetheart? You are right. I did say the word stupid. And I see what you mean. <clears throat> that's a bad word. You know, we got to understand what this means in the eyes of kids and innocence. Sometimes they think that some words are really bad and dirty. Uh, and they are, they're mean words, a word like stupid. But then all of a sudden one day they come home and they say, Daddy, I heard the SH word. I'm like, oh, okay. Now we're in the same ballpark here. So we got to understand, first of all, what words mean and why they're offensive. When we use dirty words in society, when we use these words, we're going to, uh, you know, we can harbor certain things in our hearts. People were asking me, well, what's so bad about not forgiving somebody? You know, it's one of the questions that comes up. Dr. Sandoval, how do you, how do I know if I have a mental illness or spiritual uh, affliction? And I ask questions like, well, how's your spiritual life? You know, are you going to church? Are you receiving the sacraments? Are you asking, are you making sure that you forgive people? That's one of the questions that I ask. Are you making sure you forgive people that you're not carrying unforgiveness in your heart? And people will say, well, no, I forgive everybody except for, you know, I don't forgive this person because they really offended me at a family party, or I don't forgive this person for what they did to my kid, or I don't, you know, I'm, I, I, I still uh, harbor a grudge against this person because, man, they really embarrassed me and I really felt low and they really need to get theirs. You know what I mean? And I say, okay, well, here's the problem with that. <clears throat> In your heart, you might not be using actual dirty words uh to talk to that person or say about that person but it's kind of the same thing if you're not forgiving somebody if you're harboring a grudge it's a big dirty word on our heart that's what we're saying every time we hold on to that grudge it's we're saying dirty word towards that person and believe it or not holding on to grudges wishing people ill will because that's what happens once we hold on to a grudge i'm going to get happy right when uh it's called schadenfreude it's a word in german schadenfreude it's a big word where 
if I really don't like somebody, and we see this all the time in politics, if I don't like somebody, if I don't like the other person, I wish that something bad happens to them. You know, don't we see that all the time? Oh my goodness, if this person's running, I can't stand that person. I hope they get into a car accident and die. And I'm going to be so happy about it. What good is that? Where's the, where's the Catholic faith? I, I We can't wish that on our worst enemy. We can't even wish that on, on say, if we go in the past, I know that people love to throw the name Hitler out there and big names like that. But <clears throat> as a Catholic, my hope is, gosh, I hope that Hitler could have made a confession, you know, before he died. Now, a lot of exorcists will tell you that they hear uh, the demon of Hitler, or that Hitler comes up in exorcisms and things like that. I don't know if that's specifically hell or not, because there's a big question. Do the do the souls of the damned come up? Or is it the name of the demon that was assigned to really get into Hitler's mind? Well, these are all questions that we have to ask ourselves. But in the same way, when we wish somebody ill will, if I say that person is evil, I got to be careful about that because they're still a human being. At what point will somebody turn and say that I am evil as well? right? So we can use this bad vibe, if you will. We can use this negativity. We can use um, the sinful resentment and anger towards people. But really what we're doing, whether we like it or not, is we're cursing them. You know, in many ways, we're, we're, we're sending off a bad curse where I'm wishing them ill will. I'm carrying this in my heart. And I'm allowing bad things to attach to that. You know, when people come to me and say, Dr. Sandoval, I don't know, I'm going to be, uh, you know, gosh, I feel bad and I think I'm being afflicted spiritually. But no, boy, I'm not going to forgive that person. I said, well, you know, there's a big problem there. Good luck with that one. You better start using Catholic dirty words if you want to get rid of this affliction. How do the Catholic dirty words work? Well, we're going to talk about that when we come back for the break for sure. And it's amazing what will happen when you throw these words out there into the atmosphere. We're for the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about dirty words. That's right, folks, dirty words. Not the kind that we think about. Well, actually, no, we are talking about the kind we think about. We're talking about what constitutes a dirty word, why does it make it dirty, and really, more than anything else, what does that do to our heart? If we think about the common dirty words, if I think about dirty words like the ones that we hear in the movies, because all of a sudden the movie is going to get an R rating or something, one of the problems with those words is they're offensive. Obviously, we know that they're meant to degrade. They're not meant to um, bring lift somebody up if we use them in an offensive way. Now, keep in mind, some people say, talk to Sandoval, but you know, sometimes I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I just say a dirty word because uh, as an expression or, oh my goodness, or you know, things along those lines. Um, should I? Is it okay if I use it? Keep in mind, it can get confused. I know sometimes I'm not saying everybody who uses them has a bad intention um, or is cursing somebody on purpose. Uh, unless you're directing the word towards our one of our fellow uh, uh, human beings. And then we're starting to use it in that way. I know some people, we get into the habit, and I say we. I've been there sometimes, believe it or not. <gasps> Dr. Sandoval, you've used dirty words. Yeah, probably. You know, especially in our youth. Gosh, when we're in junior high, how much do we love to say those because we think we're being so rebellious and cool. But, you know, are we really saying it in a way that I am trying to bring somebody down? Or is it merely an expletive? Is it merely something that I'm just kind of throwing out there? Yeah, we got to be cautious of how we use them. We got to be aware of that. I'm not here to judge anybody in that respect. What I'm saying is we have to be careful in terms of there is power to the words that we use in certain circumstances and certain situations. And just as much as we can degrade somebody with these words, there are words we can use to uplift people, but more importantly, to uplift ourselves. Because when we feel that we're being uh, attacked, when we feel that we're being uh, brought down spiritually, what am I going to say? You know, am I going to say, if you say, and well, guess what? That kind of brings me down that path of anger. It brings me down that path of frustration. It brings me down that path where, believe it or not, I'm losing because I'm trying to engage with an entity that I have no business talking to. All of a sudden, if I start doing that, aside from praying and saying, get the heck away from me, or God, please get this person away from me. Make sure that we, you know, know the difference between our imprecatory and deprecatory prayers. We need to understand that the words that we're using, we don't want to engage with the dark side. And when we start harboring anger or envy, or we start thinking that we're better than other people, uh, we start kind of heading down that path. You know, one of the things that came up uh, in our deliverance conferences, what does it mean to be psychologically compatible with um, with the dark side, with with a dark entity. It means that I'm starting to think like them. Well, what what does anybody on the dark side want to do? They want to destroy. They want to bring down. 
if I'm truly, truly going to follow the path of Christ, I want to bring every single human up. I want to have love in my heart for every single human being, regardless of how bad I think they are. There's no way around it. Why? Because that's what Christ taught us. So let's go ahead and look at some of these uh, words. Now, I'm going to start with first the fruits of the Holy Spirit, okay? And you can find these, <clears throat> if you look at the book of Galatians, I would say look at Galatians chapter 5. I'm just going to say chapter 5, read them because it does a nice explanation of them. But I'm just going to read the list. We're going to go through one by one and just see what does this mean for us as we are thinking of these words. Why is it that these words would even mean anything or change my life or have any effect in my spiritual battle? Because guess what? Just as what we consider to be dirty words are going to be offensive to me here on this planet, and I know how to bring people down, in the realm of the dark side, in the realm of hell, if you will, if you were in hell, how can you offend a demon even more? How can you offend an unfortunate lost soul even more? What's going to offend them? Actually, I should say, I'm not trying to offend them, but what's going to offend them? Words like charity. Charity. It doesn't exist in hell. There, that's part of the problem. There is no charity. And what does charity mean? Really, it just means love, right? But it means a, a real um, unconditional love, right? We say uh, faith, hope, and love, right? Faith, hope, and charity, caritas, right? So what does it mean? It, but it really means an unconditional love. It means that I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you like Christ loved you. Or yeah, exactly, like Christ loved us. So, you know, Christ is being crucified and he loves the people who are nailing him to the cross. Is that possible for me to love somebody as they're hurting me? Somebody's making fun of you at work. Somebody's, you know, doing something to you where they're going to bring you down. They're trying to try to ruin your reputation. And you are somehow in your heart able to ignore all that. And just look at that person lovingly because they are a child of God. Is that possible? Boy, I wish I could say I've been there. But that's really what it comes down to. You know, that's what I got to practice. That's what I got to work on. If I come into, into hell with the word charity in my heart, because a lot of times these words, we don't have to say them that way, you know, the way that we say the bad words. We got to carry them in our hearts. That's how we say them. We speak with our hearts. Actions speak louder than words. This is how we're going to speak. These are our dirty words. They're going to be our actions that are based on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the virtues. And then, boy, believe me, hell's going to get away. People say, how can I get these, you know, evil out of my home? Start practicing some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Start practicing some of the virtues or keep them in your mind, keep them in your heart, try to practice them. And then you're not going to have to worry. What I worry about is a lot of people, you know, are concerned about being afflicted by dark entities or concerned about being afflicted by uh, demons, but yet somehow they hold on to it because they like to talk about how they're afflicted by it. Because if all of a sudden I'm not afflicted by demons, now I'm responsible for my actions. And now what are my actions? You know, it's easy to, sometimes to, I'm not saying this for everybody, I'm not saying easy in, in the in the common term of the word easy. It's just we can fall into a habit of saying, oh boy, I'm being afflicted. Oh boy, there's not much I can do. Oh, I don't know, woe is me. And we fall into what modern society loves to fall into is a victim mentality. How can I possibly go on? You know, how can I possibly uh, do things when I'm a victim? I can't. I can't function. We fall into that trap because all of a sudden, if I start practicing these uh, words of the fruits of the Holy Spirit or virtues, boy, now I'm responsible for what I do, right? Because I have to be responsible for carrying charity, love in my heart. I have to make sure that I love everybody, including those who I might consider to be my worst enemy and never wish them ill will. Well, that's one of the fruits. That's one of the things of the Holy Spirit. I got to pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, Please give me some of these fruits so that I can, you know, give them to other people. So let's see here. What about joy is the next one. Do I carry joy in my heart? Very different from, well, I shouldn't say different. It depends on how people define it. But joy is the word in the Bible. The interesting thing about joy, a lot of times we go around and we look for things to make us happy. Dr. Sandoval, are joy and happiness the same thing? It depends. This is where we get to semantics. Some people will say, yeah, oh, they're exactly the same thing. Joy means being happy. Um, it, I would dare say I would make a distinction. How do I know if I have true joy? You know, and for happiness, do things make me happy for the moment? Sure. And is that true happiness? Depends on how you define it. I'm not going to get into a, an idea of definitions. But let's look at an example of how joy 
is lived out okay so happiness a lot of times boy if i can get myself a nice cup of coffee in the morning i was talking to to uh our producer today and i was saying hey gosh richard i i broke my one of my favorite mugs uh during a cup of coffee this morning what is joy in that cir circumstance my initial reaction was oh man i need to go get another one because i love that mug that was one of my favorite mugs in fact i need to get two because what if i break it again i was allowing that cup to dictate my happiness my happiness was contingent on that cup notice it was coming from outside of me and i thought i need to get another cup i need to replace it because i used to love i'd love that cup okay well what if i have joy in my heart i can say you know what i really like that cup but i don't need it to be happy i don't need it to experience joy joy means i'm going to turn to god and i'm going to allow god to uh to work in my life and i'm going to allow that to happen and i'm not going to rely on the material for my well-being so i had to take a quick step back and i thought man it actually hurt but then i thought to myself in a split second why am i so hurt over a piece of ceramic it had some nice pictures on it it had some cartoons from when i was a child which was totally cool it had some sentimental value to me and i think that that's the thing i was putting value on something material and i thought to myself you know what i'm not going to get another one i'm going to let it go I say that for now. Watch, I'll probably get a gift for my wife. <laughs> She's going to say, oh, I replaced it for you because I know how much you loved it. But for myself, I thought, can I still experience happiness? Can I be joyful? Can I be happy the fact that, thank you, God, for letting me have that. It was a good reminder of my childhood. It broke. Now i got to let it go. And i got to move on. And I can't hold on to that because otherwise I'm going to live my existence searching for a piece of ceramic versus searching for God. That's really where the joy comes in. Joy comes in knowing my happiness comes from God which is going to lead to the next fruit. If I have love in my heart, if I have joy knowing that my well-being comes from God, it's going to leave me with what everybody is searching for, but nobody knows how to achieve sometimes. It's going to leave me with what we should be experiencing if we have true deliverance. It's going to leave me with a sense of peace. Now, peace is an incredible, um, it's an incredible state of being. Okay. Peace, we can say peace on the outside. We know that we think that there's peace when we're not at war with somebody. What about when we are at war with somebody? Is there peace? The question is, are we talking about material peace or are we talking about peace in my heart, spiritual peace, that peace where I can say, gosh, I'm at peace regardless of what's happening up around me. It's possible, believe it or not. Now, in some circumstances, obviously, if I'm in a middle of the building fire or something, I need to run. I need to get out of there. Can my heart still be a peace? Yeah, it might be harder in that circumstance. But there are examples of people who were in very dire circumstances and yet still experience peace in their heart. What does that mean? Peace really means knowing that, having a sense that, you know what, it's going to be okay even when everything is not. I'm in being in the moment, being in that, in that presence of God, no matter what's happening. This is where there was a book um, I read one time. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, <clears throat> and it's a great book. It's about a gentleman, a psychiatrist, actually, who was in the concentration camps during World War II. And believe it or not, he found a way to, in a way, be at peace in his heart, even while he was going through the concentration camps. In order to do it, he had to get out of himself. What he started doing is, as a psychiatrist, he had an advantage. He started to examine what other people were doing. He started to evaluate other people. He started to make note of, well, let's take this as a social experiment versus a wartime prison. Um, let's look at this concentration camp and I'm gonna look at it from the eyes of a psychiatrist and I'm gonna analyze the situation and say, well, who's surviving and who's not? What's allowing people to get through the concentration camp okay and what's making them not go through the camp, concentration camp okay? Why is it that some people are really breaking down and other people are able to have a conversation? As he did that, he started to experience peace and he started to realize that he himself could survive because he was focused, he changed the focus of the moment to live his own reality internally. Notice that he was living the external reality. There's no question about it. He was in that concentration camp. He was suffering in that concentration camp, but he started to live an internal reality. And that's really what it comes down to. Don't we talk about the interior life all the time? Don't we have a different interior life? Well, so far, <clears throat> you know, when we have that, if I can practice charity, so now I wish well for everybody, no matter what. I'm not going to pay attention to 
the pettiness of what they're doing or what they're not doing or they're good or bad. I'm not going to make that judgment. I just wish them well. I wish them love. <clears throat> I'm going to experience some joy if I do that because my happiness is coming from inside. My happiness is coming from being at one with God and hoping that everybody else goes to God as well. And then it's going to bring me to peace. Those first three fruits of the Holy Spirit, boy, we've barely unraveled them. And already I'm feeling better. I don't know about you guys, but those are dirty words in hell. Why? Because if I go to hell with charity, joy, and peace in my heart, it's going to be More after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. And today we are saying some dirty words. But the dirty words are dirty words in hell. You know, when we say these words, if you want to offend uh, the demonic, if you're worried that there's an evil presence in your home and how do I get rid of them and what's the best deliverance prayer and what can I do? Believe it or not, sometimes the best deliverance prayer is just out loud saying the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit or saying the seven, the seven virtues, which overlap. Some of them overlap, so we're going to go through the virtues at the end of the show. But the fruits of the Holy Spirit are important because when we say these, even if I just go through the list, I'll say charity, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, chastity. But Dr. Sandoval, that's kind of silly. You're just saying a word. I mean, yeah, they're nice words, but that's kind of silly. That's not doing anything. Ah, we got to look at this through the eyes of faith. Imagine if I were sitting there and I were saying swear words and I was just sitting down and saying swear words and swear words and swear words and swear words and swear words. Guess who does that? People who are afflicted by the demonic. People in, in, in during demonic sessions, you know, during exorcism sessions, during sessions of deliverance prayers, will start saying swear words just to say them. Why? Because they know that as they say them out there, it's throwing out bad spiritual vibes, right? It's throwing out, it's like a curse. Well, if I say charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but I mean them in my heart because think about it when we're swearing at somebody, there's a condition in our heart there. There's a condition of frustration in our heart. I'm going to swear, cuss somebody out, and I'm going to it's coming from a place of anger in my heart right i never cut somebody out and say charity joy peace to you right it doesn't make sense because it, it doesn't tell me what's in the person's heart but if it's this is truly in my heart i'm going to say it in such a gentle way i'm going to say these words i'm going to say this list with a sense of peace with a sense of joy and charity which are the three that we've talked about and trust me a whole lot of demonic will go away a whole lot of evil will get out of your life psychologically speaking from a psychiatric point of view if you go to a modern trendy wellness center or a spa or you know people who go to yoga studios and things of that nature which of course we don't promote the practice of yoga you can stretch you know you can do a catholic yoga if you want you can stretch while you're saying bible verses or you can stretch while guess what catholic yoga would be stretching while thinking of these words we're going to do the pose of charity we're going to do the pose of joy we're going to do the joy of the the pose of peace that would be a catholic yoga just stretch your body with the with this intention in your heart it's coming from your heart if i sit down and just say these words from my heart you know and i would i would obviously wouldn't call it catholic yoga i would say you know and it's catholic uh stretching or something you know something healthy for the body but it's going to come from a place where i've got to condition my heart to say these words once i do that boy these are like nuclear bombs in hell you know if we start to practice this the next word is very important, and this is this one in the deliverance world is key, I would say. Uh, and a lot of times we don't understand it the way that that uh, it's meant. The next word is patience. So we talked about charity, joy, peace. Let's talk about patience. Patience, we think, you know, we always say patience is a virtue. Like I said, we're going to talk about the virtues because they overlap here a little bit. But as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, patience, it's an interesting word. Sometimes we think, oh, I got I to gotta be patient waiting for the bus. And, and boy, I just have to be patient here. But all of a sudden we're grumpy, we're waiting. Ah, when's it, I'm looking at my watch, looking at my watch. When's this bus coming? I'm talking to the person next to me. Can you believe that this bus is not even here? I can't believe that they're late, man. They're never late. And of all days, I need to get there on time. And in fact, I wanted to get there early. And now they're late. I just have to be patient. I just have to. That's frustration. Patience looks, patience is a little bit harder to achieve, but it can be achieved if we practice it. Patience is a person sitting there on the bus saying, you know, of all days, today I needed to get there early. Today I needed to be on time. And I have no idea why the bus is late today. 
I believe that God is in everything because I have already carried charity in my heart. I find my joy from God, not from the bus coming on time. And I'm at peace internally. So I'm going to sit here with charity, joy, and peace in my heart and just say, God, I'm going to put my whole trust in you. And even though the bus is late, I needed to get there on time. You know why it is. You know, I thought I needed to get there on time, but I think you know better. I think there's a reason why you you don't want me to get there at the precise time or why this bus needed to be later today. And I'm going to put my, my trust in you on that one. Okay, I'm just going to wait here and see what happens. Why do I say that that's important in the deliverance world? This is super important in the deliverance world because obviously now I'm coming from a place of I surrender to God. And when I get there, guess what? How many times does it happen that I think I need to get there on time? I'm in a rush. Then I get there and nobody else is there because somebody else was delayed as well. Somebody needed to do something different. I get there and they're like, oh man, it didn't matter today anyway because this happened. I, I can't foresee the future. God can. But in the present moment, what I can say is I'm going to be patient in the moment. I'm going to be patient because God is here with me. Um, and that's so important to consider uh, when when we look at this, when we, when we say patience, what does that mean? It means that as that bus is late, I'm going to be the guy who's frustrated and complaining, looking at my watch, talking to somebody. And I'm going to look over on the bus bench and somebody's going to be there sitting, holding their bag, reading a book, just kind of staring off because they realize that there's nothing they can do. No matter how many times they look at their watch, no matter how many times they tell the person next to them that they got to get to wherever they need to get there on time, it's not going to make that bus come any quicker. The person sitting down just waiting realizes I'm on God time and God's going to allow this. I'm, I can do what I can do. I can try to get to the bus when I think the bus is going to get there based on the schedule, I can be on time, what I think is on time. But God knows better as to what on time means. And I'm just going to sit here and wait for God. Okay. So that's patience. Why is that so important in the deliverance world? Because the reality is a lot of times we get temptations. A lot of times we get um, moments of frustration. A lot of times we feel that we're being attacked. And what we really need to do is practice patience in that moment. What understandable? Does that mean that I'm okay with being attacked? Yeah, kind of in a way, not that the attack feels good or that the temptation feels good or that I want to do anything about that uh, in terms of I don't want to act on it, right? But patience means I'm going to sit here and not act on it. Notice that the person waiting for the bus quietly is not acting on anything. They're just waiting. The situation is the same. The other person, myself, I'd be looking at my watch, talking to somebody. I'm trying to act on it. I'm trying to to make it better. I'm trying to, I don't know what to do about it. I'm trying to make the, I'm trying to will the bus to come quicker by getting flustered. But the patient sitting there waiting is just saying, I'm on God's time. It's the same thing. When we have temptations, when we have moments where we feel, boy, I'm being attacked. Okay, I'm just going to wait it out. The attack is there. I see it. I hear it. I feel it, whatever it is. But I'm not going to act. I'm just going to sit here and wait, try to do my work. You know. Okay. A lot of times, too, you know, I don't know if it ever happens to anybody, but sometimes you get so frustrated, so flustered that you want to get something done and you realize it only takes me 10 minutes to get done. But for some reason, it's taking two hours. Why can't I get this done? This is so simple. You know what? For whatever reason, this is what's happening. I'm going to learn to be patient with it. I'm going to just be in the moment. I'm going to do what I can. And then just be patient with it. It happens. You know, it happens all the time. But patience is hard because it means that I'm going to wait with charity, joy, and peace in the midst of frustration, in the midst of uh, what might be chaos around me. I'm going to silence my heart. And I'm going to use that peace that I have in my heart to realize that whatever the situation is around me, I'm going to I'm gonna be okay. Well, that's going to lead to the next fruit, which is kindness. If I can be patient, I'm not going to take out my frustrations on other people. Whoever's sitting there on that bus, if somebody else comes over and they need help, they're probably going to recognize it. They're going to say, well, I don't know about that bus, but this person needs help right now. Me, I would be like, I don't have time to help that person. I'm too busy waiting for a bus. Think about it. I'm waiting for a bus. I'm looking at my watch. I'm talking to somebody, so I don't have time to help somebody else in front of me. That's odd right? Because I should be in the presence of mind to say, the bus isn't here, but th what's happening around me in the moment? I can be kind to other people. Otherwise, I'm going to be blind. If I'm not practicing patience, I'm going to be blind. I'm not going to be kind because my rush is going to be everybody else's rush. I'm going to be, in fact, I'm going to be upset that other people aren't rushed with me. I'm going to try to force that on. And that's no good. That's not patience. I'm telling you, these are dirty words in hell because if we can walk this way, what does this sound like so far already? Somebody who walks with charity in their heart, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness. You're thinking, yeah, it's a saint. Oh my gosh, how could I do that? Well, that's what we're called to do. That's why we've got to read the Bible. It's not about reading the Bible. It's about putting these words in our heart. I read it hopefully with a purpose. 
And if I'm walking with these words, I'm on my way to sainthood. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So after this, so there's kindness. There's going to be goodness. You know, it's funny because that's one of the things that in our in the medical world, benevolence is one of the the four pillars of what we have to be, right? So the first thing is do no harm, non-maleficence, but then we have to do benevolence. We have to practice goodness. As I practice medicine, I have to wish good to other people. The first thing I have to wish is, is do the good that I wish on other people. That's really what goodness is. It's not that I'm good. Goodness is an action. Goodness is, um, is so we said kindness. Goodness is part of the kindness, the random acts of kindness. Goodness means that if I'm good, how do we know I'm good? Well, you'll know the tree by its fruit, right? We're talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is These are all things that we see in action of what we carry inside. So if I'm good, that means that I wish the goodness to other people. And if somebody's not having a good day, I'm going to try to help them out a little bit as much as I can without, you know, getting involved too much or harm because sometimes people aren't having a good day and they want to be left alone. I need to respect that as well. But how many times do I go up to somebody and see that they're struggling at work and, and I think that they're not doing such a good job and I tell them, you know what, you're really a good worker. And I appreciate all the hard work that you do. You know, the other day you did something really well and that that really made a difference. And I see that they're not having a good time at that moment, but I say that to them and all of a sudden their heart changes and they're like, oh man, thanks a lot. Thanks for, they feel good about themselves and whatever they were doing, all of a sudden it gets better. Why? Because remember I said, if we use curse words, that's like, we, we say swear words, curse words, right? Who ever heard of the term curse? It's like we're putting on a curse. But if I use kind words, it's like I'm blessing somebody. It's like I'm attaching a goodness to them. I'm doing goodness, right? That's important to consider. Generosity. Generosity is pretty self-explanatory, but in many ways, we don't realize generosity doesn't just mean giving people, but it's part of that in our hearts. I'm hoping the best for people too, right? I don't just give to charities because I want to feel good that I gave. I have to hope that I pick the right charity because I'm hoping the best for this charity in particular. I'm hoping that my gift brings this charity up. And so that's why any donations to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, CRC, you know, I do it all the time because I'm hoping, well, I shouldn't say all the time, Terry will probably say, you can do it a little bit more, Dr. Sandoval. But whenever I can, I try to donate because I realize the work that we do here reaches a lot of good people. Um, and it reaches, well, I should say people in general to understand the faith with clarity and charity, as we say. And that's one of the keys, right? So clarity charity we say charity the fruit the virtue it's important that's the generosity it's not just that i'm giving it's that i'm hoping that whatever i give to is lifted up as well there's a few more fruits and then we're going to talk about the virtues when we come back from the break hope this is uh, helping people and if anybody's offended by any of these words you got to ask yourself why why would anybody be offended by any of these words you'd be surprised i got a story on that one about what happened one time at work regarding these words and i found it very very interesting I thought, where is this person? We'll talk about that after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are using curse words here on the radio, on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are saying Catholic swear words, which really means good words for us, bad words for any of our foes, our spiritual foes, that is. Listen to this quote. So this is for the next fruit of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is so strong as gentleness, and nothing is so gentle as real strength. One of my all-time favorite saint quotes, nothing is so strong as gentleness, and nothing is so gentle as real strength. That was by Saint Francis de Sales, one of my favorite saints, one of my favorite, I love his writings, uh, and what a powerful quote. You know, this is when we start praying, when we start getting more into our spiritual, focusing on the spiritual life before all else. Uh, really, that's what it comes down to. You know, it comes down to gentle strength and strong gentleness. Uh, and the next one, this is a, why do I say this? Because the next fruit of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. And a lot of times I like this quote because <clears throat> a lot of times we think that gentleness is really weak, right? Oh, he's so gentle. It means he's so nice. He's so weak. He's so gentle that you know we, we we attribute gentleness or we use the word gentle when it comes to something fragile, right? So like a flower, be careful. Don't touch its petals too much. It's it's a very gentle plant. It's a very gentle flower. Watch out now. You know, let's be gentle. Or we we package something that has glass in it or something. We're like, oh, be gentle with it, right? <clears throat> but if you think about it, what we're saying is be gentle with it. What does that mean? Does it mean be soft with it? 
It means that understand that whatever you're handling is fragile. So you better use all your strength to know how to maneuver it. And really that's what our hearts are, right? So we think gentle means weak. No, it means that fragile means that it's something so precious that if we don't use it in the right way, if we don't uh, apply the right amount of force to it, it can break. We, we, that means that I have power over this thing. This is where the strength comes in, right? Gentle strength and strong gentleness. Why? Because I understand that if I'm talking to my fellow loved one, there's power in the words that I can use and they can be, they can hurt somebody's egos. They can hurt somebody's internal sense of peace. They can do a lot of damage if I'm not careful. And so gentleness is a lot more along the lines of, I have to realize that I have power and I have to be responsible with that, right? Wasn't that what Spider-Man? power and responsibility, but something along those lines where God has given us a lot of power. We don't see it. There's power in our words. This is why if I use the worldly swear words, is it to bring people up or is it to shatter people, right? Like a piece of glass or something. So I got to think of gentleness as, wow, there's, there's about, there's something about strength and fragility. There's something about strength and really being, um, the word I guess I'm looking for is not weak. It's it's more something is so delicate, something is so delicate in a good way, not in a way that the world sees it as, uh, as you know, in the modern term, the snowflakes are out there and they're going to fall apart or for everything, anybody who gets offended right away. But gentleness is a lot more, you know, I got to use my strength because something is very precious is really the word. Precious in the eyes of God. We're all precious in the eyes of God. So whatever power I have over this, I got to be aware of that. I better not break the preciousness, not because a person's weak, but because God sees them as strong, if that makes sense. So this is where gentleness comes in. Gentleness really means I have to understand that there's a lot of power in what we do. There's a lot of power in how we interact with each other. And in that respect, I better be responsible with that power God has given us. I better be responsible um, with how I exercise that power. So gentleness is another fruit. Faithfulness. Okay, so faithfulness obviously means staying the course. And what does faithfulness mean? It means it's easy to say, well, I should be more faithful to God. God's perfect. God will never do me wrong. But what about what do we say in our marriages? I'm going to be faithful. What does that mean? It means that we're going to have ups and downs, but I'm going to stick by you no matter what. And boy, right now, you're not somebody I want to be married to. Oh, boy, right now, I wonder what did I do? Oh, I could have done so much better. You know, we think all these things, but really faithful. And, you know, they're fantasies because if we married the other person, we'd go right back. Our human nature would be right back to thinking, oh, what did I do? I should have never married you. Why did I leave? How do we know that? We see that all the time. I mean, look at these. Unfortunately, there's so many marriages where people get married. They get divorced three months later because they met somebody else that they're in love with and they marry that person and then they're divorced again in two years and then they leave that person, marry somebody else and they're divorced. You know, where's that sense of faithfulness? Faithfulness means I'm going to stick to my cause. And we got to start thinking of marriage as a cause. Why is it a cause? Because it's a sacrament. So I got to start thinking of marriage as I'm getting into this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm along for the ride. And that means that I can't get off this ride. I have to figure out the twists and the turns. Somehow we got we to gotta be in the same cart together the whole time and we got to make it through. So that's really what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is not so much of, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I have faith in you or I have faith in God. It's more that sense of why do I have faith in God? If I say I have faith in God, I'm sticking with God during the highs and lows of my life. I'm not going to veer away. Does that happen? No. All the time we tend to veer away. That's our human nature. We tend to say, ah, I'm going to go my own way because God, you're not fulfilling my immediate needs right now. Uh, but faithfulness really comes back to, remember, these are the fruits. If I can use that patience and say, God, I don't feel like my needs are being fulfilled, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stick to it. I tell you, you use any of these, the demonic's going to run away. <clears throat> they're going to try to keep trying a little bit harder sometimes at first, especially as we start this. But they're going to say, oh, you think you're patient? Let's see how patient you really are. I just got to keep practicing the patience. And patience means I got to try to sit there and move forward as much as I can uh, over time. You know, so and faithfulness means sticking to this cause, sticking to the cause of saying, I'm going to use these fruits. I'm going to um, try to be a better person and I'm going to use these words in my heart, which are going to really be offensive to anybody who uh, is not practicing a virtuous life, a, a, a Catholic type of life. Anybody who thinks that they know better, uh, which is all of us at times, you know, that's just what happens. Now, the next three words I think are interesting. 
modesty, self-control, and chastity. Quite the opposite of our modern world, right? I mean, if, if, if I were to pick any of these to say, what is in complete diametrically opposed to the way that we're living? What is completely, <laughs> you know, dichotomy here? What is completely split? What is completely opposite? Modesty, self-control, and chastity. It's interesting because I see newspaper articles or I see, you know, in, in the news nowadays. And what happens as we get older, you know, you would think that we become more gentle and things of that nature. But it seems that for whatever reason, you know, for, for men, we've always said, oh, men go through this midlife crisis where as they get older, they need to really uh, find a younger woman and get their sports car and do whatever it is because they need to feel like they still got it. You know, it's a midlife crisis. I need to really, you know, do this. It happens to a lot of guys. We see it all the time. There is a pattern there. Um, but what happens to women as they get older in order to, to prove that they still got it? Does it? Have we ever noticed that? Have, has anybody looked into that? Well, here's what I've seen. For men, sure. You know, as you're getting older, you wonder, am I still, am I still uh, uh, desirable? Am I still somebody who a, a woman would want to be with? Is this possible? So, and classically, you know, guys will look for somebody younger because it tells me that, oh, I'm still lovable and people still like me. Okay, great. What happens for women? What I've noticed is the Hollywood stars, all I'm seeing is uh, on the headlines is, well, this woman posed nude. And this other woman in her 60s posed nude. And this other woman posed in a bikini. And this other woman posed, you know, exposing them to show that they still got it. It seems like there's this sense of, I have to I have to have a, a good body and all of a sudden I have to show it off or, or I have to be physically fit or whatever society considers to be uh, physically attractive um, and show it off to show that I still got it. It seems like, we, you know, as men and women, we as we get older, we're, we're kind of um, holding on to our youth as much as possible. That's really what I think a midlife crisis is, is that last ditch effort to hold on to whatever was considered youthful inside of us. Uh, and how do we go about it? How do we do that? Well, it sure isn't on either side. It sure isn't modesty, self-control, or chastity. That's for sure. Because I assure you that, you know, if the guy is looking for a younger gal, he's not practicing chastity for the most part. Uh, self-control, you know, neither, or modesty, neither the man or the woman, you know, to have to say, oh, I got to go show off my body. Well, where's the modesty in that? What I find interesting about these words, I think they're wonderful words. I think they're good words. Modesty, self-control, chastity. It's not something that we practice in our modern world. But one time when I was in an office and I had a whiteboard, you know, not chalkboard, but a whiteboard, you know, where you can use a dry erase marker and whatnot. I had written these words because one of my patients happened to be of the Christian faith. They weren't Catholic, but they were of the Christian faith. And they were talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They were really, you know, trying to practice the faith. And they were uh, talking about their Bible study and how they were focusing on these and they were actually feeling better because they said that their anxiety was less. Not that it had gone away completely, but that it was lower. You know, they didn't have as much anxiety. They weren't feeling as depressed. They weren't feeling as off put. They weren't feeling all these things. And they said that they were reading about this and they were looking at the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I said, okay, well, let's write them down. And, you know, they really wanted to get into it. And I said, okay, go ahead and pull out your Bible, read them for me and let's write them down and let's look at them. So I wrote them down and I left them on the whiteboard. I just didn't erase them. I just left them on there for a long period of time. I didn't think much about it because they were up there and, you know, to us as Catholics, for the most part, we see these words and you know, just part of our vernacular, part of the way we talk, hopefully. And boy, I was surprised that some people would come in and I didn't even think that the words were up there, but some of my patients would come in and they read them. And lo and behold, believe it or not, two or three patients uh, specifically, specifically tar targeted the word chastity. And they said, chastity, huh? literally and to me that was like wow it really changed the way i, I was going to practice because i thought well i'm still going to give you you know obviously whatever it is that you're that you that we're treating you for anxiety depression whatever uh your affliction is i'm still going to um you know address it and give uh, make sure that you are uh, um what's it called make, make sure that you're being treated you know medically speaking the way it is but I'm going to speak to you a little bit more about what's in your heart, what's going on, because why was that word so off-putting? Why all of a sudden you read chastity and that was like, that was like a dirty word. They said, oh, what is that? Gross, right? They were, it, it, literally, it had that kind of guttural reaction where I was 
I was impressed in a way where, not impressed in a good way, but impressed in a, in a, oh, boy, that's interesting. So you read Chastity, and it left a bad taste in your mouth. You felt gross about it. Where are you at? Where's your heart? That's what I got to wonder. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. These fruits, they overlap with the virtues, right? And aren't we supposed to live a virtuous life here as Catholics? Let's read through the virtues. They're going to sound very similar. Chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, kindness, patience, and humility, right? Pope Gregory I helped to formulate those. And let's look at the virtues really quickly here at the, as we, we're closing here at the end of the, uh, the last segment here. And let's look at what the opposite of these are, because these are going to be dirty words in hell as well. Um, and you're going to notice the difference. And this is what I think. When I read the opposite of the virtue or the sin attached to the virtue, see what happens in your heart when you hear the word of the sin, okay? And see if that's a little bit off-putting to you. I think it's interesting because when I hear these words, they're off-putting where it's like, oh, yeah, that's not something good. That was the reaction that these patients had when they read the word chastity. I thought it was just super interesting. So the virtue, chastity, we've talked about. The sin is lust, okay? The virtue, temperance, the sin is gluttony. The virtue, charity, the sin is greed. The virtue of diligence, the sin is sloth. The virtue of kindness, the sin is envy. The virtue of patience, the sin is wrath. And the virtue of humility, and the sin is pride. Chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, kindness, patience, humility. These are all swear words in, on the dark side. I think we got to carry these swear words in our hearts because for us, they're holy words. And obviously, we understand that as we carry these in our hearts, it's something very good. It's something that's going to lift us towards God. But understand that they are not weak words. Understand that as we practice these fruits of the Holy Spirit, as we have virtue, as we try to practice the virtues in our heart, boy, it's going to be a very, very offensive to uh, a certain segment of the spiritual world. And that being the case, it's going to lead to peace in our lives because as we practice this, we bring this into our household, practice it around our friends. We're going to have a very nice glow around us. It's not going to be penetrated by the devil. And until next time, Dr. Sandoval saying, let's keep it Catholic.